Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show, The Twist. Welcome to The Twist News, I'm Erica Gray. And today I'm at Elnet at this wonderful conference on the A New Era in Europe-Israel Relations, which brings out all kinds of diplomats and muckety-mucks. And I'm with a muckety-muck right now. And this is Peter Hugendorf. And, <laughs> and Peter, you're from the Netherlands, but you're with a, is it a think tank called Think? Absolutely, Erika. Thank you for having me. Yes, Think stands for the Hague Initiative for International Cooperation. It's a think tank in the area of international law. And what we do is uh, we challenge the misuse of international law to delegitimize the state of Israel. It's going on for many years already in the United Nations, in the EU and affiliated institutions, and we want to get a hold on this. I was so excited to meet you. I had no idea that an outfit like yours even existed. And we talk about on our show about Israel, Israel's sovereignty, how nations are bullying Israel, and about the two-state solution, and frankly, how ridiculous it is. But would you like to give us some facts on what you've uncovered about oh, yes. the two-state solution and why the nation states within the European Union need to change. Oh, absolutely. And how that may even come about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in order to understand the European policy, the two-state policy vis-a-vis -vis Israel, we need to go back to the end of the Six-Day War. Then the conclusion was drawn by the Arab countries that they had waged three wars against Israel and they had lost all three of them. But the Arabs didn't like the idea of a Jewish state in their environment. They wanted to destroy the Jewish state. And so it was decided that if we can't beat them on the battlefield, then we will beat them in the UN and we will use international law to delegitimize the state of Israel. That has been used as a pressure on the EU states. After the uh, Six Day War, actually after the Yom Kippur War of 1973, the Arab states uh, started to exercise their pressure on Europe by denying the supply of oil unless European countries were willing to live up to the demands of the Arab countries, including recognition of the PLO. And the European states gave in. And then a political process unfolded where the EU tried to close the ranks for the sake of building a so-called European unity. And they formulated their principles in the Venice Declaration in 1980, which in fact paved the way for the acceptance of a Palestinian state on Israel territory. Well, that how did this happen though, even at that inception point, when this, they had voiced they wanted the annihilation of Israel? How was that missed it is at this early stage, at that early stage? It is unbelievable. People didn't protest against it, even though if you look at the charter of the PLO, it calls for the liberation of Palestine. That means to actually to, uh, to cleanse the territory between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea from Jews. So nevertheless, the European countries accepted it and they went, uh, they went on with it because they thought it would bring peace. Now, if you look in more detail to the uh, EU policy, 
the two-state policy, then you will conclude that there are three central false assumptions that lay the foundation under this policy. The first one is that many people argue that this is just a territorial conflict. You can give up land in exchange for peace. Well, as I just said, that's not the case. It's an existential conflict. The PLO, who's driving it, they deny the right of Israel to exist. The second is that the EU countries have misused international law to underpin their policy. And they claim that international law demands the creation of a Palestinian state, which is not the case. All peoples have a right to self-determination, but a right to self-determination is not equal to the right of founding a state. There are certain criteria that need to be met and they simply are not met. And then thirdly, there is the idea that it is possible that a Palestinian state and a Palestinian people would live in peace side by side with Israel. Well, the history shows since 1948 that that is not the case. Unless, unless the Palestinian society changes and a new leadership comes into power in Palestine, then it may be possible that these countries live in peace. Now, I would like to talk a little bit about you, how you got involved. You're not, are you Jewish? You're not Jewish. No, I'm not Jewish. Well, what's interesting too is I'm not Jewish. So <laughs> here we are both talking about Israel and the rights of... I have a good reason to do this. Okay. And the reason why I do this is that I'm 72 years old. I was born into a Christian family in a small place in the Netherlands called Oudewater. That's mm -hmm. in the green heart of Holland, as we call it. And uh, as I grew up, I found out that actually my parents were Christian Zionists, almost avant la lettre. And that has been piece and parcel of my education. So when I studied in the University of Delft, I took time off to work in the kibbutz in Israel. And ever since, I've, I've had a whole heart and a warm place for Israel in my heart. So I made a professional uh, career, a business career, that took me around the globe, but when I retired, then uh, I decided to do something else. Now, December also the month in which two presidents who were in the final days of their administration were leaving mm -hmm. office. That was uh, Hollande mm -hmm. in France mm -hmm. and Barack Obama in the US. And Hollande called a conference in Europe where a declaration was formulated that of course condemned Israel for its flagrant violation of international law and the continuation of the occupation. Mm -hmm. And that declaration was forwarded to the United Nations General Assembly in December. And then the day before Christmas, the United States of America under the presidency still of Mr. Barack Obama let that resolution pass through the Security Council. So, finally, Obama administration betrayed Israel and that was a reason for me and two friends of mine to sit together and say, look, this is enough, we can't take this any longer. Israel is condemned, it is maltreated and we need to do something to stop it. So five months later, we had established our organization called THINK, a think tank in the area of international law and uh, a month later, we held our first seminar, most notably in the Peace Palace, 
in The Hague, which is the seat of the International Court of Justice. And there we actually criticized and debunked the ICJ's advisory opinion of 2004. That's amazing. That's it amazing is. for a starting Absolutely. organization. It is, it is, it is. We've been blessed all the way. By now we have a, a fairly small management team, four or five people altogether, but we coordinate a, a global network of over 50 international lawyers who support our cause, who share our vision and, and who agree to our mission, and that is to make justice for Israel. And you also have, um, you're also looking for members to join. So we're going to have the, the link below. And do you have a YouTube channel about your organization? Yes, yes we have. And it. we will be sharing. So check on this channel for the YouTube channels because I have all YouTube channels under channels of guests that are on this show. Oh, and you also have, do you have a book? A book? Oh, yes, we have published two books. Our first book came out in 2018. And it it's is titled? Called, and its title is Israel on Trial. And it's, uh, it's available via Amazon and other uh, booksellers. And then most recently, in November last year, we published the EU policy, two-state policy review report. It's become a book and its title is Two States for Two Peoples. And that is available online from Salux. And I want to add that we have an Amazon store on our show. We're one of the few, I think we're the only news show who actually has an Amazon store. So we are going to, we feature our guests books in our Amazon store. So you're going to want to check out that link below because now these two books are going to be our part of our store. But you had stated something to me earlier that was just mind blowing. And we were talking about the European Union's external action service. Well, what we find uh, very difficult is to get representatives of the uh, European external action service to come out, speak openly about the policy of the EU vis-a-vis -vis Israel and the Palestinian-Israeli conflict and to enter into a debate. We must realize that 30 years or 40 years actually since the Venice Declaration came out, 30 years after the Oslo Accords were, were signed that the ultimate goal, namely the establishment of a Palestinian state, has not materialized. The policy has failed, totally failed. So it's time for a new approach. We cannot let the Palestinians nor the Israelis live in the current situation. It is not humane, but we must, uh, we must find the right solution. And the only way to arrive at the right solution is for the parties to sit down at a negotiation table. By the way, the European Union was a, 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 a witness to the Oslo Accords. So it's, it's incomprehensible, for instance, that the European Union is actually acting against the Accords to which they were witness, for instance, by building houses in Area C, which is strictly forbidden by the Oslo Accords. Yeah. What a wonderful end. You organized it oh, so no. well. Oh no. Wait a minute. Where did that come from? I don't know. I need no information. Uh, well, I think that might. Well, this 
might take some of it out. If they if they have it lower, we can still talk. That's okay. We, we can still talk. We can still talk yeah, no because comments. you are a wealth of information. <laughs> and he's from the Netherlands, and I'm not going to see him again. I'm in Paris right now at no, this uh, event. We, we're going to meet again. But what is important, and that is the theme of this conference, the, the theme is the Abraham Accords. Now, the Abraham Accords present a, a wonderful opportunity for the European Union to adapt its policy. Actually, they should forget about a two-state policy which has failed and use all the power that is there. And Brussels is enormously powerful. Use the power that is there to get the parties to the table. The uh, Abraham Accords offer a great opportunity for the EU for economic benefits, security benefits, and to accomplish that ultimate goal of peace in the Middle East. And by the way, it's not only peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. It peace, it's peace across the entire region. It's peace in Syria. Okay, but I want to give you the but. From an EU delegate, you'd get the however, however, the 27 states. The but, the EU federalists don't really, they like their own policy. They like their own initiatives. Uh, Joseph Burrell completely ignored the Abraham Accords in a response when he was asked about the Abraham Accords and he pointed to the new agenda for the Mediterranean. Have you looked over the new agenda for the Mediterranean and maybe as an approach, maybe to move away from the two-state is for Israel to maybe tell the European Union, look, we can help this be a success, but you have to drop this two-state policy, which is outdated, will not work, where Israel is at right now. I mean, what do you think? Have you looked over the new agenda for the Mediterranean? No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not up to date with the new agenda for the Mediterranean. And I don't mm -hmm. think actually that it will work. It's more of the same. Tune in next time for more from Don Provda and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.